0: Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who is ready to jump in a big pile of leaves. He's so excited for the NFL uh, today,
1: Brandon Siegel. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I wouldn't say I'm happy about jumping into leaves or anything, because uh, that means it's getting colder, and I wanted to stay warm. I like the summer, but I am excited for football uh, today. Of course, as always, we record Sunday mornings. Um, which is very very exciting right before football and hopefully we have before football uh, today we got an interesting football matchup of course the third member of our podcast is Ben O'Brien Ben is a uh, is a Bengals fan I'm a Ravens fan and the Sunday night game tonight we have Ravens Bengals uh, Sunday night football uh, which is very exciting Ben what what are your how how was your week and what what are you feeling for the game today how are you feeling
2: um I don't really know how I'm feeling if we're being honest I don't know uh I'm I'm hopeful, I'm excited, I'm terrified, I'm nervous. I think it's going to be a disaster, mm-hmm. but maybe it won't emotional be a disaster. Re- Who knows? It, it is an emotional roller coaster. And then I got to yes. listen to you talk about how great Lamar Jackson is for like 30 minutes before we start recording. Um, yes. and I don't want to hear that crap because I'm in, I'm in, mentally I have to pre- prepare myself twice a year to watch him mm-hmm. run for 400 yards against the Bengals. Like I just have to mentally yes. get in that space. That's today's one of those days that I just have to mentally look at him as the enemy when he's not playing the Bengals, I'm all for it. He's awesome. But for twice a year, I just have to look at him like I hate him. He's the worst player in the NFL. He's not a real quarterback, which is true. But um, I just have to mentally prepare myself for him to rush for a billion yards and throw for 30 touchdowns.
1: Yeah, well, as all I always say, you can play whatever position you so want until he wins games. That's all that matters to me.
2: Well, he, he wins um, half the games, apparently.
1: <laughs> he wins a lot of games. Uh, so, look, we have an exciting podcast today. Before we start the podcast, Trevor, do we have like a, a minor announcement, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. So we have put together a, a formal website. We finally actually have like a formal website. Nah, not, it's nothing too crazy. Uh, we got a little homepage on there. We got all the podcasts. So link is in the description. Go check out the website um, and, you know, go maybe listen to a different podcast. We've got a couple podcasts um, active right now. So go listen to a, a different podcast. It's, it's, it's some exciting stuff. We worked very hard on it. Um, and I, I think it looks pretty good. I, I think it looks pretty good. I, if I do say so myself, uh, <laughs> I think it looks solid. Um, so yeah, go check it out. It's very, very exciting, but let's get right into it here. Um, we've got to start off. Look, we have a crazy headline to start here, uh, with Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. Obviously they got into in practice. We all saw the leaked video, um, which is, uh, pretty insane, uh, so I guess Trevor will go to you first. Uh, your reactions to the all the things that played out from from this fight.
0: Yeah. So when we initially heard about this altercation, we obviously didn't have the video. It, it just seemed that you know there was an altercation. There was an altercation, and I forget what they said. They said something about like Draymond Green uh, was was the one that was really at fault here in the incident, and then there were a lot of questions in the Makes media. Sense. There were, yeah, there were a lot of questions in the media about, like, well, did Jordan Poole do anything wrong? Like, what, wh- why, why is Dream on Green being the one that's, like, acting like he did something wrong but Jordan Poole isn't? Because, obviously, we hadn't seen what happened. And I know, like, Steve Kerr and other members within the Warriors were very defensive of Jordan Poole. Talking about, no, Jordan Poole's done nothing wrong. He's, you know, he's followed every direction. He's been awesome. Uh, and then the video comes out. Obviously, this video that the Warriors definitely did not want to be released. And we see... Um, this altercation where they're in practice and it looks like Jordan Poole's standing along the baseline, um, Draymond Green's more in like the uh, the corner, like uh, like the corner three area, and we we don't have any audio, so we don't know like what was said. You know, we don't know what Jordan Poole was saying or what happened there, but it seemed like there was some sort of argument uh, that kind of escalated when Jordan Poole was just standing there. Draymond walked over to him with his arms down, and then. Jordan Poole shoved him and obviously we saw Draymond come back with like an absolute sucker punch just completely lunged for for Jordan Poole which was which was wild because you know, you see, like, like the way that Jordan Poole shoved Draymond Green, like, you see that type of thing all the time. You see shoving matches in games and practices happens all the time. What you don't see is someone lunging with a sucker punch out of nowhere on their own teammate in practice. You just don't see that. And I was shocked um, about that. Um, you know, I didn't expect that it was going to look as bad as it did, but I think the video definitely made it look worse for Draymond Green. Now, he did come out, he apologized. Um, but now the wonder is, well, is this something that's gonna affect the Warriors this year? And then even beyond this year, obviously Draymond Green. Um, he wants, you know, a contract extension, he wants to get a big contract, you know, he thinks he has earned it, you know, helping the Warriors get four championships. And the Warriors, you know, they have a lot of the players that they gotta think about, um, you know, where they're gonna how they're gonna like I guess pay out this money. I mean, you got Steph, you got Klay, uh, Draymond, you got Jordan Poole, you got Andrew Wiggins. Like, all of these players you can make an argument for deserve a lot of money. And the Warriors, yes, they, they you know, at every turn, they've been doing a good job of, like, p- paying these players, like, a lot of money so as to keep them, whereas other organizations we see don't do that in all sports, really. Uh, but the Warriors have done a good job. But at some point here, the Warriors got to think, like, Draymond Green's aging, do we really want to pay him um, as much money as he wants, or are we willing to potentially let him go? And I think that's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out because I don't think, and I know like Steve Kerr came out and said like, well, th- these fights happen all the time. Like I've been, I've seen, I've been witness to, I've been involved in, obviously Michael Jordan punched him in a practice before. I've been involved in so many fights. So Steve Kerr played it off as, it, as if it wasn't a big deal, it didn't matter. I think this is kind of a big deal because of those contract negotiations, and this might be one other thing where the Warriors internally in their organization could look at and see like, I don't know, Draymond Green, he's aging. We saw at times during the playoffs last year, his play declined a little bit. They might start to think about, you know what, maybe we move on from Draymond Green. I don't know. Uh, do what do you kind of think about that?
1: I, I think you make great points about the ramifications in this. And one thing you didn't even mention is these two got to play together this year, and they both play a lot uh, of mm-hmm. minutes. They got to be around each other quite a lot planes, buses, you know, team facilities, practices, games. Uh, mending a relationship after, I mean, com- I, completely laying someone out is not an easy task. You know, I think so. In addition to everything you said, they, they have to completely, you know,. Uh, rebuild their their relationship and that's going to have a toll on the team uh before this season starts we might see you know a little bit of a slow start from this team because they have to get through the process uh of healing and and you know building up their their relationship together yeah. uh ben some final thoughts on on just this insane storyline
2: yeah it's hilarious i mean um It's not like if this was gonna happen to like somebody like this was gonna happen between two people in the NBA like you telling me that Draymond Green is one of the two people is like the least surprising thing ever because he's a hothead like he's always been a hothead Um, and again we don't really know what specifically was said between the two but it is wild that like you know something like this happens in a practice between teammates I will say I watched the video multiple times Steph Curry is nowhere to be found in terms of breaking this up so he clearly is not my goat not my goat because if he if he was a a true team player. And a true, you know, greatest athlete of all time or greatest basketball player of all time, he'd be stepping in there breaking up between teammates. But he's nowhere to be found. He's probably honestly, he's probably not even at practice because that's how he is. He just take days off. Um, LeBron would never do that. LeBron would be the first one in there breaking that up. But again, Steph Curry, not my goat. If you think he's the goat, <laughs> then you're just sorely mistaken because he clearly is a bad teammate for not for not settling this dispute uh, faster than it did.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you could bring some um, uh, some some sarcasm and in a joking manner. But yeah, I uh, wanted this to, is pretty nuts. Yeah, I want to say
0: one more thing because there was this really interesting article I read uh, by Marcus. I think his name's Marcus Thompson with the Athletic, and I think uh, he made an interesting point because for Draymond Green, to me this was actually pretty out of character because it was his teammate. Like we've seen him, um, and I, I know like the Kevin Durant argument happened, but that was pretty different obviously it wasn't you know physical it was just like them arguing but we've seen stuff where he gets tangled up with like opposing teams and Draymond Green's like the ultimate he seems like the ultimate kind of like energy guy and like uh kind of he's going to stand up for his teammates so for him to to punch his own teammate like you know it it seemed a little out of character
1: to me I I was pretty surprised by it so next up let's let's move across this subject to college football Um, and obviously some important stuff to talk about here. Uh, Most importantly, uh, we had Alabama-Texas-A&M, which was a pretty insane ending. Uh, A&M had a chance to win it at the end. They didn't quite pull through. Hayes-King making a pretty poor decision on that play, it seems like. Um, I unfortunately didn't get to watch this game, but I know you guys got to to catch at least a little bit of it. Um, Alabama stays on top. I have been seeing people like, Ohio State should be one now, right? I mean, let's not forget... They didn't have the best player in college football playing in Bryce Young, who won the Heisman last year. He wasn't playing. Their quarterback threw 19 passes at 111 yards, and he averaged 5.8 yards uh, per catch. Not really an impressive stat line from uh, Jalen Milrow, um, who I know had like the nice highlight. He's very fast. He's a good quarterback in that sense. But it's not like he was like this amazing passing guy throughout this game. Uh, a lot of running from the team. So it's, I, I, I wouldn't say Alabama should be number two behind Ohio State because of this game necessarily, but I know people are like going crazy, whatever. Uh, you guys got to catch this game, but I'm going to go to you first. What did you think about the ending, the game in total, um, and your thoughts on it?
2: I mean, obviously, Bryce Young not playing was, was a huge factor because, again, I'm not going to act like I know who this backup quarterback is, but he, I mean, he, he didn't look bad. Like, I mean, it's Alabama. Even their backup quarterbacks can be pretty good. Um, I, the reason why Alabama won this game was, really, there's two reasons. Their defense still played really well. I mean, their defensive line, that poor Texas A&M quarterback was essentially on his back every play. I mean, he was getting hit constantly. Um, and two, Texas A&M, like, they forced four turnovers or whatever it was for Alabama. They honestly probably should have forced six or seven. There were multiple dropped interceptions. Um, there were just a lot of missed chances. Alabama had a couple third and longs there at the end of the game that they converted that uh, Texas A&M just couldn't get off the field. Um, and that's what happens. Like Even with a player like Bryce Young out, Alabama's the better team. Um, a lot of times, better teams will prevail, and if you're if you're the underdog like that, you cannot give up those opportunities, those um, potential interceptions that that you drop, or those fumble recoveries that you almost had. Even though they had four turnovers forced, um, it obviously was not enough because Alabama was just a better team than them. They have better players, pretty much all around, except maybe a quarterback yesterday. So, the better team won. Um, maybe not yet the better team on the field yesterday but in terms of the, the the program this season Alabama's just a better team this year in general um and obviously they, they have a better coach in Nick Saban so Alabama is still really good I, I was not nearly as impressed with them as maybe i should be but again i understand that the best player in college football was not playing um but i do think that Alabama should have con- some concerns cuz even though um they had a backup quarterback in there were still some some issues i felt like in terms of their offensive line in terms of some of their um r- their receivers on offense so they have a lot of talent, probably the most talent in the uh, in college football, if not top one or two like it always is. But um, they definitely have some weaknesses. I do not think that Alabama is this unstoppable juggernaut that we've kind of become accustomed to seeing um, the last 10 years or so.
1: One Just real quick, Trevor, before I throw it to you, I want to throw one stat out there. Will Anderson, uh, the Alabama defensive end, I guess. Um, he's a monster. He's, yeah, he's supposed to be like the top pick next year. He had eight quarterback hurries. In a single game. That is insane. That is just crazy. Um, Trevor, any thoughts on this game or any other college games you wanted to mention before we kind of move on?
0: Yeah, I think Ben covered the Alabama uh, game pretty well. Um, I, I agree with basically all of what he said. Um, having br- As you mentioned, having Bryce Young out is obviously going to make a huge difference. And, you know, looking at the other teams, so like Ohio State, as you mentioned, they're one of them. Georgia would be the other one. It, it kind of seems like we're still um, back to what we originally thought. Um, like there's basically three teams that are kind of like they're like this is the top tier, like Alabama, Georgia and Ohio State in some order. And we don't know exactly what that order is. Um, maybe we'll get more evidence in the next couple weeks because Ohio State, although they've looked very dominant, they haven't really played anyone that's super formidable yet. Um, Georgia, they definitely had some shaky games. And Alabama last night was shaky, although, again, no Bryce Young. So it's really those three at the top. And then after that, you know, you can argue who should be in that second tier um, and who's going to get that fourth spot. But that is still the top tier. Um, Other games to quickly mention, uh, Tennessee. You know, Tennessee's looking pretty good. You can argue maybe Tennessee's in that, I would say, maybe that second tier there. They've had a pretty dominant win over LSU. Forty to thirteen, they look pretty good, and I believe they are playing Alabama. I think next week or at least, yeah, yeah. So it's
1: where college game day is. So Tennessee,
0: very interesting game there. I'm excited for that Alabama Tennessee game next week. Uh, UCLA Utah, you know, really solid win for UCLA. They're still undefeated there, and I guess the only other one that I will mention is uh, South Carolina pulls the upset on Kentucky. So solid win for South Carolina.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Let's keep on moving on and look, Trevor. We had a, an interesting game happen this past week that was not in professional sports. Uh, and mm-hmm. well, why don't you tell us a little bit about a couple young phenoms you saw on the basketball court?
0: Yeah. So I, I really was just in awe, um, particularly on Tuesday. Um, you know, Ben and I were talking last week. We we kind of previewed this matchup a little bit. Victor Webanyama, who is the 7'4", um, I, I guess we'd call him a center, but he really doesn't have any position because he can do uh, pretty much everything on the basketball court. Um, but anyway, he's seven foot four. he's 18 years old, from France, plays on uh, Metropolitan's 92 team in the French League, which also this team, uh, you know, they feature some other players that, if you're a listener, you follow college basketball, you might know Aaron Henry from Michigan State, uh, pretty solid player for Izzo there and Tremont Waters, uh, the small point guard from LSU. He played a couple years in the NBA. Um, he played with the Celtics for a little bit, but was usually like kind of end of the bench guy. Uh, now he's over in the French League. So they came to uh, Las Vegas or Henderson, Nevada to be specific. To play the G League Ignite, obviously this has been a program that's mainly featured um, younger prospects as an alternative to college basketball, Um, and Scoot Henderson being one of the best ones that we've ever seen, I think, enter this G League Ignite team. We've had other guys, Jalen Green and and, other guys like that, but Scoot uh, really seems super promising, Um, and this is now his second year in the G League Ignite. He's a 6'3 guard, super athletic. So in the first game we saw... It was just absolutely incredible. I mean, both of them to me exceeded all of my expectations because here's the thing when when you look at like a when you have a player like Victor womenyama that like he's overseas, you know, you can watch the highlights, you can marvel and you can be like, okay, yeah, the highlights look really good. He's showing these flashes. like it all looks incredible. but like we need to actually see a game. like is he actually gonna live up to that in the game? There's so much hype and sometimes the players don't live up to that hype, you know? Sometimes the players from overseas, they don't live up to it, but Victor absolutely did and he exceeded everything I could have expected. Uh Victor in this first game had 37 points. He had seven threes. He made 7 of 11 threes and I guess I'll just talk about that first. His shooting ability. I mean, to think about someone who is 7 foot 4, I mean, who has a very fluid jump shot. I mean, looking at the way he's not just, again, making seven out of 11 threes in and of itself would be awesome if Steph Curry did it. But for someone that's seven foot four, it, it just like, it absolutely blows your mind and it's hard to even come up with words um, to be honest. And then you look at the shooting form, which to me, I was trying to think of a comparison. Okay. Like this, the way he's shooting, it, it looks so fluid What's a good like comparison here and I my mind went to Michael Porter jr actually which Michael Porter Jr I believe is about 610 obviously he was a highly regarded prospect um, and he said you know he's had an up and down career so far uh, at 2021 he had a really good season I think he shot about 44% from three also has a very fluid jump shot and Victor's jump shot looks a lot like Michael Porter jr's. it's very fluid um for a seven foot four guy it's absolutely insane and if you think about that it's you know with that jump shot it's you can't block it like there's just no chance you're not going to block it we we've talked about how kevin durant's jump shot is like pretty unblockable how about victor's he's he's got like four five six inches on kevin durant so it's it's pretty Mm -hmm. nuts and then you go to the other aspects of, of his game he can handle the ball um you know on defense Obviously, incredible shot blocker, as you might expect. And the potential there is just so wild um, beyond what he already showed. Like, you know, he already showed those flashes, but it's like it was a complete game because he showed the shooting. He showed the ball handling. He blocked, I think, five shots in his first game. He showed literally everything in this game. And when you have pro- prospects like this that come in, like you look at like whoever, like a Cade Cunningham, an Anthony Edwards, Lamella Ball, any one of these really good prospects that we've seen Zion, there's always some sort of flaw that you can be like, okay, well, Zion, okay, yeah, Zion's very explosive athlete, but the shooting looks awkward, he's probably not going to be a good shooter, you know, you go to like LaMelo Ball, okay, well... He looks like a terrible defender. Like, you just go on and on. All these guys have flaws. Victor, I don't know what the flaw is. I guess the flaw is, like, injury potential, to be honest with you. Like, if he gets injured. But if he doesn't get injured, I mean, he's going to be awesome. I I really feel confident that I think he's going to be awesome. People might point out, well, he's skinny, needs to put on some weight. I mean, we've seen a lot of other guys like that. That was the case with Kevin Durant, and he did put on some weight. Hmm. Brandon Ingram, LaMelo Ball. Yeah, Brandon Ingram, LaMelo Ball. So, yes, you can point out the fact that he's skinny. I get it, and that kind of, I guess, could play into the injury stuff. But I think, you know, we do see that these players are able to put on weight, so that's really the main concern. But as far as him as a prospect, at 18 years old, I I was making a list of, like, players who... Like, who are the best players I've ever witnessed? And I went back to really... I started with Kevin Durant because, like, Kevin Durant was really good. And ultimately, I was like, it's either Victor, like, Victor, you have Kevin Durant, you have Anthony Davis, and you have Zion. Like, those are, like, the top four. And I think that definitively, Victor is a better prospect than Zion. I I feel pretty confident in that. I also feel like he's a better prospect than Anthony Davis because, again, we didn't see Anthony Davis shooting jumpers in college. Part of it was he wasn't allowed to at Kentucky, but just in general, he wasn't really taking jumpers. We didn't see that so Victor's better than him and then Durant you get a little bit closer i don't know that one's a little tough but i think with what he's able to do at 74 i think i would argue he's better than Kevin Durant so really what i would say is i think he's the best prospect since lebron um i know there's some people Woj and uh you know plenty of other people that are saying oh no oh no he's a better prospect than lebron that's something i don't think i can speak on just because i didn't i didn't have the experience of lebron as a prospect i i was mm-hmm. born in 1998 i don't i don't know like i seen i saw highlights but I'm not even going to speak on that, but best prospect since LeBron, which is absolutely wild. Um, now, I do want to talk about Scoot as well, but I wanted to throw the floor to you, Brandon, and just get some of your thoughts um, on Victor.
1: Yeah, I think, the, I unfortunately, I haven't watched him play yet. So, I, in terms of his play, I, I can't say all too much. However, I did see the Rudy Gobert picture. I think we got to talk about that. This man is bigger than Rudy Gobert, and he plays, like, a guard? Yeah. I mean, that's got to be insane, right? Like, so, and here's another question, Trevor, I had for you, and, and Ben, I, I'm sure you're interested in this question as well. What is his comparison to, like, a Chet Holmgren, who we kind of have talked about in the same light, where it's like this guy's huge and plays, like, a guard?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, compared to Chet, number one, he's he has, like, two, three inches on Chet, so he's taller. Um, he's a better overall athlete, I would say, than Chet. I think he's a better shooter than Chet. So essentially, like all of the things that you can look at, and like you can look at the potential of Chet. Okay, like Chet's a really good shot blocker. He's a really good defender positionally. I think Victor has the potential. I mean, if he isn't, I think he's probably already better. Like, I think right now, Victor's a better player than Chet, I would say. So I think, like, as a prospect, you look at all of the things that Chet has shown flashes of being good at. I think Victor also has shown those things and is better than Chet at those. Like, he's a better shooter than Chet. Uh, they both handle the ball very well for their size. Um, and then I think defensively, what Chet, what uh, Victor can be as a shot blocker even transcends what Chet, show, Chet has showed because of his athleticism. And additionally, I think um, he's probably stronger as well. I mean, some of the offensive moves that he has done, even just like a simple, like the craziest the simple craziest move that Victor did, in my opinion, it was in the second game. When he got the ball um, in, like, the mid-post, and he did this, like, turnaround fadeaway. Like, there was a double team coming, and he kind of spun away from it, did this turnaround fadeaway. Very much like a textbook Kobe Bryant move, basically. And he did that move, they it looked pure, he swished it, and I was just like, what? What is that? How do you make that? So, yeah, he's
1: definitely better than Chet Holmgren, for sure. Interesting. Very, very Interesting. All right. Well, I think we'll we'll keep on moving along here. I I think uh, you gave a great synopsis on them. Um, no, let's we, we got some we got here. some we got some more to do, Brandon. But I I wanted oh oh I, we got
0: we got we got some more. Um, but Ben, I guess please did you have did you have any thoughts on Victor before? Because I want to talk about Scoot as well. Okay. Okay. Perfect.
2: perfect. So in terms of of Victor, whatever Wembenyama is it Wembenyama? Yeah, Wembenyama. Sure. You can just call w- him Victor Wembenyama. Um. I think a lot of times with like a player as big as him, and yes, you said you made a good point about like a big concern is always gonna be injury because like I mean, it's just it's not natural to be like seven four like your 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 muscles are are being stressed to an extent that most are not. But um, a lot of times the, the concern is when you play in a league like the NBA where the speed is so fast. A lot I think a lot of times people are concerned about how defensively you're gonna be able to guard someone like because. Um, it's it, it, like a lot of times big dudes like that look like, like, like taco fall right like it's like awkward to watch and try to play defense because it's like it's hard to, to keep up and your closeout speed on defense is very very um slow and very poor mm-hmm. but from the highlights i've seen of victor Wimbenyama, like it almost doesn't matter yeah how bad his closeout speed on offense or on defense is. excuse me because of his ability to recover because of how just lengthy he is i mean the 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 balls that he's stealing that he's you know reaching and grabbing and the shots that he's blocking like He's 7'4". That is not normal. That is not normal at all. And again, it's rare to see somebody be able to have complete control of their body at an age of 18 years old to the extent that he has. Um, So, I mean, I I agree with all the hype that that you're giving him, Trevor. And I didn't know that you got people like Woja here talking about how he's like the best recruit they've ever, or best prospect they've ever seen, or better than LeBron and all this stuff. Um, But from what I've seen, which is very, very few highlights, I mean I, I totally buy it. And I'm I'm always like a sucker for this stuff. Like I'm always like all in, like, oh, like Zion, best prospect best prospect I've ever seen, blah blah blah. Like I'm always like like uh you know, drinking the Kool-Aid in terms of listening to people's hype. But I firmly believe this. Like, I'm excited because I think you're gonna see some absolute tanking this year. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. last couple months of this of this NBA season, Trevor. It's gonna be so hilarious. You're gonna get like I don't know. You're going to get like the freaking like Magic or somebody. They just got a number on paper. Let's say it's like the Magic or somebody and they got like two months to go. They got like 30 games to go or something, 20 games to go. And they're so clearly like one of the worst teams. And all of a sudden they just have like six players just be out for the rest of the year for precautionary reasons. Like it's going to happen. You're going to have a team that just their whole team's hurt for precautionary reasons um, because they're going to tank for this dude. It's exciting, man. And I I hope it keeps up because it it makes the the sport of basketball so relevant um, and so topical. And you got people talking about it all the time. So. I'm very excited to see what this dude can do. I, I will be keeping up with him, or at least I'll try to this year in terms of his highlights to see how he develops. He, again, he's still got another year of, of basketball for the NBA, but um, from what I've seen, I, I I agree with everything you said. I'm very impressed with him.
0: Yeah, I, I think, uh, first of all, the tanking thing, I, I agree with. That's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you made a great point. The, the closing speed, um, you know, he doesn't have the closing speed of like an Anthony Davis who was coming out of Kentucky was just like the ultimate, like, just like the instincts that he had was like insane, but when you're seven foot five, you don't have to be perfect. And he definitely compared to like a Taco Fall or something like that. He definitely moves much better than that. It's that is what is comparable to to Chet Holmgren because Chet Holmgren also has pretty good recovery speed as well, so uh, that helps him out. Um, now also there there's another player in this draft, which just in general is another incentive to tank because even if you don't get the number one pick and you get the number two pick. Not a bad consolation prize, because there's this guy named Scoot Henderson, who's a 6'3 guard. He was very good in the first game. Um, now, he did get hurt early in the second game, so unfortunately we didn't get to see much of him in the second game. But in the first game, he was awesome. I mean, he had 28 points, 9 assists... He was awesome. We know he—we've uh, already seen, like, from highlights, or I've already seen, that he's going to be, like, a really good athlete, very much like what we saw with John Morant and Murray State, what we saw with Anthony Edwards in Georgia. Maybe you can even look at, like, a Derrick Rose or even a Russell Westbrook. Like, he very much fits the mold Come like compared to what those guys were coming out of college. Um, it's pretty comparable um, to those guys. Now, what was really impressive about Scoot that I didn't fully expect is that, number one— he was a better shooter than I expected in this game. Um, he shot it very well, like mid-range pull-ups, uh, step-back threes. Um, obviously, you know, all the finishing, the athleticism, all of that, I, I knew was going to happen, and he showed that. It's incredible, some of his finishes, but he shot it very well. And in addition, he was passing the ball really well. I mean, he especially in that second half of that first game, he set up his teammates very well. Um, dishing it, and it's almost like the the thing of like, okay, Ja Morant, like like he came out his rookie year, he already showed the athleticism, he was awesome. Um, he you know he won the Rookie of the Year, but it's like okay, now Ja Morant needs to develop a jump shot. Can he develop the three? And he and he basically did it. I mean, to a certain extent, this past season we saw it. You know, he became one of the best fifteen players in the NBA. I would say, Scoot almost seems like he already has it. To a certain degree, which is kind of crazy, and I think because of that, I think it probably makes him a better uh, prospect than what John Morant was at Murray State. I think it's it's very comparable. And then as far as like the, the Anthony Edwards comparison, I think the movements are very similar. The way he moves, um, the way he goes toward the basket, and like the way he like kind of pulls up, like he stops for a mid range shot, it, it looks like Anthony Edwards in that vein. So I think he's kind of like a hybrid of those two. I've seen like Allen Iverson comparisons and stuff like that. Um, again, the the early days of Allen Iverson, a little bit before my time, but I, I really see a lot of Anthony Edwards and John Morant, and I'm super excited for him. Even just like watching some of his interviews, um, like he's clearly a very hard worker. He wants it really bad, he wants to be the number one pick, and um it, it's pretty insane. If it wasn't for Victor, you know, in a lot of drafts, he'd be number one. So also super impressive there I'm very excited uh, to see how they continue to develop but um uh, I guess either of you guys Brandon we can start with you any any thoughts on scoot or final thoughts in general before we get to the NFL
1: No I think I'm ready to, to move on to the NFL these guys seem like they're going to be battling in the league for quite a while um let's uh, let's keep on moving on here go to the NFL um, and we we had some interesting games last week. Um, and obviously, we don't go too much into the last week's games, but you know the first thing I got here on my note, Trevor, um we've had some some low scoring games, not such great quarterback playing. the low scoring hat, we got a bet about the scoring, so that's important. Uh, give me some of your thoughts on what you think's going on in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just really interesting. And um obviously we we kind of saw we've kind of been seeing like how the game continues to evolve, like I think it was two years ago. When the scoring, I think it was at an all-time high, or at least close to it, um, two years ago, and even like the 2019 season, the scoring was it, it continued to increase. Um, obviously, the teams with the best quarterbacks we we saw were having a lot of success. I mean, in that season, two years ago, we pretty much had arguably the four best quarterbacks in uh, on championship Sunday. Right, we had Mahomes versus Allen, and we had Brady versus Rogers, and we saw how that kind of turned out. Last season, we saw it kind of flip in a little bit of a different direction. Defenses started to adjust a little bit more. Um, there's this really good segment that I showed you guys from NFL Live with Ryan Clark, I think it was Marcus Spears, uh, Dan Orlovsky, mm-hmm. and uh, Mina Kimes, where they really broke down well um, how, like, the difference between, like, play action and shotgun. And it, it was super interesting. I, I recommend everyone go look at it. It was on NFL Live. And it's just, I don't know, it's just so interesting to me to to learn about, like, the different tactics of, like, strategy, how defenses play. I know I've heard a lot of people talk about, like, uh, the two high safeties, like, safeties staying back to try to prevent explosive plays. I think that's one of the things that helps. And then you look at some of these teams that have, like, really bad running games. They have, you know, their offensive line is, you know, whether it's injured or just not very good, their running games suck. Look at the Bengals. Look at the Bucks. Um, there's another team there that I am forgetting the name of, um, but I know those are two of them. So it's super interesting, you know, to kind of see how defenses are adjusting, um, and you know, QBs are having to change it up more. I mean, you're seeing these balanced teams like the Philadelphia Eagles that are very balanced on offense. They can do. They can run the ball really well. They can pass it. They're, they're just, and they're, the way they're scheming, their play calling, it's very smart. It's working really well. I think the Lions as well, you can argue, are another team like that. So it's just, I don't know, it's it's very interesting to me, and I'm kind of, you know, I'm wondering where it's going to go from here. You know, how can offenses now adjust to this to, to try to, you know, move the
1: ball and put up points? Yeah, and, uh, you know, you said, like, the last two years have been two of the higher scoring years. Two years ago, the highest scoring year. Uh, we've had in history Uh, so we've had a lot of points recently it's definitely a little bit down which is quite quite interesting Um, let's keep on moving on here Ben I want to ask you about the Broncos what's what do you think is going on over there they seem like they stink like they're just awful when this team I mean we all came in expecting so much from the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson and all this talent he has around them and we see just frustration out the wazoo over there what do you think's going on?
2: I can tell you exactly what's going on. I said it a month ago. They're garbage. They know they're garbage. You can't lose the first game of the season to the Seahawks and Geno Smith and expect to be a good team. Okay? After that game, you knew their season was over. I, I said it and I was serious about it. They're a garbage team. They are going 2-15. And, and, and right now, I mean, hey, they only have two wins right now. So that is very possible they can go 2-15 and 15 this year. Um, I mean, if we're being honest, like Russell Wilson's just not playing that well. He's not playing like he should be considering he's making $250 million on this team.
1: Yeah. Not um,
2: And it seems like I mean, just based off the game on Thursday that they just played against the Colts, like, his teammates are now becoming very, very frustrated with him. Because when you really think about it, like, and Russell Wilson's a nice guy. I'm not saying he's not a nice guy, but he has a lot to handle sometimes. He's got, like, just the way his personality is, he's very much like... He's a like, weird dude. He is a very weird dude. He's very, he's very passionate about what he does, and I'll give him credit for that. He is very passionate about it. But sometimes it's almost too much. Like, these are professionals. And a lot of times he's treating them like they're a high school football team. Um, and these guys you know, are the best at what they do. They've, they've been the best at what they do for their whole lives. They don't need some guy coming in on their team for the first year and trying to implement this culture that I guess was successful for him in, in Seattle. But it's a different team. It's a different group of guys, and you just can't treat them the same way. And when you're losing, it makes that it just magnifies that those issues even more. So the fact that they're losing, if they were winning – and people maybe you know within the locker room are frustrated with Russell Wilson. Whatever you're winning, he's playing well. It's fine, but because he's playing poorly, they're not winning. He's making a lot of money. They had such high expectations going into this year because of the addition of him, um, and they're playing in the in the toughest division in football. Like there's a lot of pressure on this Broncos team, and I think you're. I mean, we're five weeks in. You're starting to see a lot of these frustrations that players and maybe coaches and definitely fans just can't keep in anymore because you're two and three in the toughest division. In the NFL, you're in a lot of trouble. So um, I just think that there's a lot of frustration, and it, it's tough. When you lose, it magnifies those issues, and when you win, it minimizes them. Right now, those issues are magnified to the fullest extent because they've lost two games in a row to two teams that they probably shouldn't have any business losing to, at least if we were talking about them going into this year. So um, I don't know. I mean, R- Russell Wilson has not played well. I think he, he's, been, he's been an issue in the locker room. Obviously, Nathaniel Hackett, a first-year head coach, has had, had a lot of mistakes that he's had to learn the hard way. Um, so they have a tough road ahead of them. Given, I mean, they got to play the Chiefs, I think twice. They got to play, you know, the Chargers twice. I think they've already played the Raiders once. But tough road ahead. It's not going to get any easier for them.
1: Yeah, no, it's 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 not going to get much easier. Um, all right, Trevor, anything else you want to talk about in terms of takeaways from last week before we move on to SVP bets?
0: Yeah, so I guess the I guess I'll talk about the Broncos quickly. Um, you know, I thought the Broncos were going to have a bad start before the season anyway, and then I thought they would start to kind of get it together. But this has been even worse than I expected. And uh, Thursday was kind of like uh, I don't know if nail in the coffin is the right word because weirdly there's seven teams to make the playoffs. It's still not completely ridiculous to think that they could. However, what we saw on Thursday was a big indication that this team. Now we have a lot of evidence to point toward them just not being good. And Ben kind of said it from the start. He's been consistent on this, so credit to Ben. Seems like you've been pretty pretty right about this. Um, But the biggest thing for me was that this whole, like, Russell Wilson debate about, like, oh, Russell Wilson coming in, well, he wasn't good in Seattle last year. He's just not good anymore. Yeah. I didn't fully buy into that. I still thought that, you know, like, Russell Wilson, if he has the right circumstance, maybe isn't quite the same quarterback mobilely that we saw. Maybe he can't run as well, you know, stuff like that. He's getting older. But I still thought, you know, he's as a good enough passer that, you know, he's certainly better than any alternative they've they've had for a while. Then I think this team will be good enough. Maybe they could sneak in the playoffs at 9-8, and eight, maybe even 10-7. and seven. But this game, I mean, he had two interceptions, both of which were pretty bad. It wasn't like... You know, it's just like, uh, you know, he gets sacked and it's like uh, kind of a a deep ball that just like somehow the defender makes a great play. Like he threw two pretty bad interceptions. He did not play well in this game. That was very clear. It wasn't as clear in the first four weeks, I thought, especially like the Raiders game, despite the fact they lost. I didn't think he. it didn't seem like he was terrible. It's not like I'm watching every Broncos game, but I was still waiting. I was like, ah, it's not great for Russell Wilson, but I still don't have like a definitive answer. This game gave me a relatively definitive answer that he's not as good anymore. And just in general, their offense is, is having a lot of challenges. Nathaniel Hackett seems like a terrible coach, one of the worst in the NFL so far. Um, he's been bad. Uh, so yeah, the Broncos aren't very good right now. I think other takeaways than that. I mean, the Chiefs look very good. We can talk about that. The Chiefs look really good. I think they're the best team in the NFL right now. Um, their running game in particular. Their running game is very impressive. Uh, they have the uh, the young running back Pacheco, I think is his last name. Very good. I mm-hmm. think he can have a really good career. I like what I saw from him. Uh, but those are kind of my takeaways uh, from, from the past week.
1: Interesting. Well, let's get into our bets here. Um, and we we obviously all have a bet with each other, and then we have one overlying bet. So let's let's do the the overlying bet first, which is uh, we trying to predict uh, to the closest number the average points that will happen in the NFL season across all the teams. I guess twenty two point nine points. Ben guessed twenty two point two, and Trevor guessed twenty two point four. It currently sits at twenty one point eight. So it went up from last week, a great margin. Uh, it seems like, Ben, you said it was in like, it was like 20.8 last week, right?
2: Like it went up like a full point. Something like, I mean, I don't remember. It was, it was low and it's definitely gone up.
1: But at this point in time, Ben, you were looking solid. It's still early, but you're looking very, very good. Ben needs it to be 22.3 or less and he wins. Trevor, you need to, it to be either 22.4, 22.5 or 22.6. That's the only way you win. And if it's 22.7 or higher, I win. So I I'd say Ben you you have a very solid chance Trevor you're probably not winning uh, I'm just yeah. gonna be honest with you it's not looking good <laughs> not looking good at all for you there um individual bets Trevor me and you have the Lions versus Panthers they're both one in three uh but I and I seriously believe it, I think the Panthers might be the worst team in the NFL they look horrendous uh they they are very very bad uh the Lions while they are not as good as I initially thought they are they're definitely better than the Panthers I feel like we can all agree on that. Um, so that one's looking unfortunate for you, in my opinion. Do do you agree with that, Trevor? Yeah,
0: I agree. The Lions are better. I mean, it it continues to just be bad for Baker Mayfield. I mean, that passing offense for the Panthers is atrocious. I I still think their defense is, like, formidable. It's not bad. But their offense, I mean, they just, it's terrible. I mean, Baker Mayfield's been horrible. I think his completion percentage is, like, I was listening to a podcast this morning. I think it's, like, 54%. He's been bad.
1: Yeah, I, I think ultimately, you know, just maybe Baker's not a good quarterback. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Um, ben, me and you, what, what was ours? It's Herbert versus Allen touchdown passes, right? Yeah. Yes. Which is 10 to 9. Allen is winning. Mm-hmm. He's up by 1. And you guys are Burrow and Brady touchdown passes, which is 8 to 6, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I got all that by memory, Ben. You should be proud of me. I haven't done a memory thing ever <laughs> oh, in my man. entire life. I just I was all by memory. I just did that. Nothing written down in front of me. Um, and Ben, you were winning that. So Ben, you are the ultimate winner at the, this exact moment. You you're winning all every your single bets. bet. Yeah, Trevor, you are not winning a single bet, and I am winning two or uh, uh, one of the bets. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, I might be paying for so, some dinners. We'll have to see. <laughs> hey, you're gonna, you're you're gonna be dealing it out. It seems like at this moment. Yeah. Um. Now, granted, I feel like the only one that's locked in stone. Like, there's no way the Panthers are finishing better than the Lions. Every other one could could change.
0: Yeah. Every you know? every one's still up in the air. I think uh, the only I, important note off the top of my head with that Bengals or not the uh, the Allen Herbert one, uh, Rashawn Slater um, is is injured, and I don't know
1: exactly yes. when he's gonna come back. Did you have you seen any it seems news? Seems like on he that? will. Okay. So it seems like he will come back, but it's not going to be for a while. It seems like week yeah twelve maybe or something. We definitely have a while where you know star left tackle was out, so that's a big deal, Ben. Yeah, and that's that, that hurts all that's, that's a big deal. Um. Okay. Wrap up the pod today. Uh. Go over a couple games that we're looking forward to this week. Obviously Ravens Bengals. I don't think we need to go into too much detail. Uh. With this one. Um, any of the games you guys are looking, you know, super forward to? I, I'd say, uh, here's one I'm looking forward to. Chargers, Browns. I'm interested to see. The Browns haven't played anyone. They're 2 and 2. Um, the Chargers seem to be not quite as good as we all put them out to be. It's a home game for the Browns. This is a big one. They, they could win this game. I, I think it is winnable. And it would definitely be a good win on their resume if they could beat, you know, Herbert uh, and the Chargers. Um, let's see. What else do we have here that looks like a good game? Um. We got Eagles-Cardinals. Cardinals have definitely not done super well this year. Eagles have done super well, only 4-0 team. Uh, but this is a away game. It's a big game for the Eagles. I can see them losing this one. I definitely like this game uh, a lot. Good one to look forward to. Any games that you guys are super excited about? Yeah, I
0: mean, I, I the Eagles-Cardinals one. That's one I was going to mention just because, like, I, you know, I would like to see the Eagles, like, They've already looked really good. They're 4-0, you know. But I I think this game's super interesting. Uh, and just, again, you have Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray, two fun quarterbacks to watch. Um, so that's, um, besides Bengals-Ravens, I think that's the headliner um, outside of Bengals-Ravens. And then, obviously, Monday night, Raiders-Chiefs um, could be good. Oh, yeah. Um, the Raiders are 1-3, but I think the Raiders are, I think they're starting to turn around here. I mean... You know, they had a little bit of bad luck. But one and three, I given that their record's one and three, they're better than one and three. I think they're not bad, so we'll see. Um again, they're playing the Chiefs, tough matchup, but
1: they're not bad. Yeah, no, I, I like that game a lot. Ben, any other games that you wanna mention?
2: Um there is one game that neither one mentioned that I'm very excited for, and that's Bills Steelers, because I hope the Bills win by five million points against the Steelers. I hope <laughs> I hope the Bills I mean the the Bills. They haven't looked fantastic this year. They've looked good their first game. Recently, it seems like we've had very high expectations for them. They haven't necessarily met those expectations. Yes, they're 3-1, and one, but I'm nitpicking because they're supposed to be the best team in the NFL. Um, I hope they take all their frustration of this early season out on the Steelers. I hope they essentially just make the Steelers want to quit and not finish the rest of this year um, because the Steelers probably should be 0-4. They're 1-3. and 3. Um, They're they they're terrible. I hope the Bills just make the Steelers feel like absolute garbage after, after this game at 1 o'clock today. Uh, last thing real quick, I maybe we should just mention it real quick. I mean, at the moment that we're recording this, the Packers are losing to the Giants, so yeah. by the time you're listening to this, yeah. maybe the, the Giants beat the Packers. I also just want to make it very clear that Brandon, as my senior advisor to my fantasy football team, told me that I should be confident in the Packers defense this week. Yeah, they have you should me one, be. They have me one point. They have me one point. So I is I'm not on the hot so seat, there's a very good chance that Brandon will I'm not be making decisions seat. for my fantasy team moving forward.
1: I'm not on the hot seat. I've I've won you quite a lot of money in your league. Here's the thing. All right. Trevor, we talked before the podcast. Remember I was saying the Packers aren't that good? Here we are.
2: Well, maybe it's the Giants are really good because they're about to be 4-1 if the Packers can't win this game. Yeah, the
1: Giants <laughs> definitely are not really good. The, the but Giants are all right. I don't think the Giants are bad. The Packers, the Packers are, the are also Packers. driving
0: right now. We'll see if they
2: can
1: tie it up. Uh, I was going to say,
2: the Packers are are the Packers are on the 7-yard line, so they're about to score.
1: I just think the Packers are, are minor frauds. Minor frauds. They're still not bad. They're still not bad. Just the, you know a little fraud-like. All right, um, but I think we'll kind of wrap up the episode there for today. Thank you all so much for listening. Of course, um, follow us on Twitter, at the TheSmallBaller, and go check out our website. The link will be in the description. Um, we, we worked very hard on it, so, so go check it out. Um, subscribe to our podcast. Leave a five-star review if you enjoyed it. With that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!